It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We'll be joined later in the show by uh, Tom Cavanaugh of Bears Blog Boys. He hosts the podcast. Big Bears fan. We're super excited to talk with him that. But Steven, uh, did anything happen on Sunday? It seems like a lot or something happened on Sunday with the Jets, right? Yeah, man. It's been uh, it's been a wild ride over the last 48 hours. Um, I'll say that as terrible as I felt on Sunday afternoon, evening, I definitely felt a lot better with the way that uh, the, the discrepancy in, in which uh, Robert Sala handled his press conference versus Zach Wilson in the postgame on Sunday obviously made me feel a lot better. But still, man, never a, a dull moment in Jets land, never uh, short of topics to talk about. But uh, how you doing, man? How you feeling? I think I'm I'm definitely happy that I waited or we waited for that matter uh, two days to do this instead of doing it yesterday or after the game on Sunday, because I think my emotions would have been a lot stronger than they are now. I think I've allowed myself to reset, not, you know, go into full paddock mode, because let's be honest, I, I, I said this on Twitter after the game on Sunday. I'm like, this is full like week 17 Buffalo uh, 2015 vibes. It was bad. It was there's just. There's no way around it because, you know, we have a problem and it sucks because this was a huge decision for this team, you know, about a year and a half ago when they decided to go with Zach Wilson as a second pick in the draft. And let me let me just say this and then we can obviously debate this because it's obviously going to be what we're going to be talking about, you know, basically the rest of the way. But assuming that things are pretty much the same, if unless they get better, I'm pretty much done with him. It doesn't mean that I won't root for him. I will continue to root for him. I am a supporter of this team. I I love that the Jets. I've rooted for so many different guys who didn't work out, and it is what it is. So I want to make that very clear because I feel like people came at me about being too negative, specifically in the, the open letter on the Patreon, which I get. I was a little harsh. I understand. But, like, I'm a fan. We've all gone through this for a while. With that said, I am livid of what's been going on. And it's, it's one thing to play poorly during the game. But when you speak the way you did when asked a question that was very simple, like this is stuff that these guys are learning when they go into the NFL, they are, uh, you know, taught these like media courses or whatever they need to know. They teach you how to handle these questions. And I get it, the heat of the battle and everything. You cannot throw your defense up three points the entire day busted their asses and say, did you let your defense out and just say a snarky? No, there's a million ways you could have answered this question. And, and that is why, you know, Zach is in the predicament that he's in where basically the entire fan base is really, really against him. I mean, of course there's people who are supporting him because they just are kind of be optimistic, but it was bad all around. Steven, I need to hear your thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not, all the way out on Zach uh, just yet. We're still 20 starts in, and this was one really, really bad one, followed up by a, a, an awful press conference and uh, or, or you know post game presser. So, um, my thoughts on the on the answer really. I think it's 
obviously the worst um, choice that Zach Wilson could have made. I, I tweeted this out earlier too. I think really there's three ways that this could go. You could feel responsible and, and take accountability, which is what a good teammate, a good quarterback should do. You can not feel responsible, um, but still know that the right thing to do publicly is to take accountability and take responsibility. And, and you do that. Or the option three really is what Zach Wilson did is where he feels no remorse and no responsibility and then shows none either, which is obviously the worst option of those. And it, it just it really makes you think kind of what is is at his core. And that's what's really concerning. And I know, Stephen, you and I were just discussing it before the show and you said it and you're like, the, the, the gameplay on the field was one thing. And I think we all know how bad that was but it really doubled down and got that much worse with the post-game presser just because of the way that he handled that. Um, I believe in Robert Sala and him being able to keep this locker room under control. His press conference, I think, as bad as Zach Wilson's was, Robert Sala's was just as good. Um, He did a great job addressing it. I think this is exactly what this team needs. I think he, whether it's an honest to goodness, putting Zach Wilson in his place, saying that it's really on the table for Mike White or Joe Flacco to start, great. If it's just to give Zach Wilson a little dose of reality and kind of, as Joe Caparoso on our Slack uh, said, it slapped the entitlement out of him, even better, because I think he needs that. If it's leading to him having a quick hook on Sunday, because the play is that poor, fine. All, by all means, anything is on is on the table. And, and for Robert Sala to come out and say that, um, it just shows that he's telling Zach Wilson that, listen, you're not above this team. And I think anyone, <clears throat> any realistic Jets fan prior to this season, uh, if, if you were to go in saying what the most important thing was, we all probably would have said, um, at least in part, that knowing your answer on Zach Wilson, whether or not he's the guy, is the most important question we have to answer. But to, truth be told, is the narrative has changed. And whether, regardless of how we got here, we're here where the defense is special and the defense is a championship unit. The special teams, despite that punt <laughs> on Sunday, which honestly, it's crazy to even have that punt be like uh. the afterthought of all this, but. Despite the punt on Sunday, the special teams unit is has been performing very well. And honestly, the offensive line, the running game, um, all you know, all things considered, with the injuries too, and even the the, the weapons uh, that they do have are are there for the taking. So it's the quarterback position that's kind of holding this team back, that's hindering this team. So to my, my original point is the narrative has changed to now this this has the potential to be a win now team. And in an AFC where things seem to be wide open, this is a team that could possibly make some noise if they get into the dance. So good on Robert Sala for addressing this, taking it head on and saying that Zach Wilson's not above the team and they're going to put the team in the best position to win uh, because they really believe that they got something that could actually uh, do some damage in the playoffs if they make it there. Yeah. All well said. And I think, like you said, Salah has improved so much, you know, just in his leadership abilities publicly. I know we had our questions about the whole receipts thing. We felt like he was not great with the injury stuff, but he's flipped the script on that. I'm so impressed with him. I've never felt more confident with him, you know, leading the way for the future. Um, I mean, obviously the defense itself and just the team, you know, being so good in the fourth quarter, you know, always that never let up mentality and just playing really hard every week and looking prepared basically after week three. So like, the, the press conference is great. And I think you hit on this, but it basically means one of two things. 
and it could be a third thing. And if the third thing happens, we're really, we're going to have a problem down the road, but basically it's either, like you said, Mike White starting, Zach starting with a quick hook and then option three, which I, I don't think it's going to happen, but if it did happen, I'd be a little concerned about the long-term outlook of the team is he just said to say it and Zach has unlimited job security, which I don't think is the case because if that were the case, he would have just been like Zach, our quarterback. I'm not talking about this because you know, he understands he's the leader. He's the one who has the pulse of the team, which I know Joe and Connor talked about. He knows he cannot, you know, do a disservice to these guys who are working their tails off, doing their jobs, earning everything that they're getting defensively. Even the receivers, when they get the ball making plays, the running backs, when they get their holes and the linemen who are blocking and making, you know, the pockets open for Zach and everything like that. So it's, you can't, you can't allow someone to hold the team back when this window is wide open. And I get it. You know, he's only in year two, but the team is so good. You don't know if this opportunity could ever come again. We talked about 2015 at nauseam. It's like if they got there with how that playoff fell, you never would have known what could have happened with them. And you just injuries, players leaving free agency. You can't keep everybody. There's going to be guys on this team that we love that probably won't be here in a few years, unfortunately, because that's the business. You lose guys because, you know, you can't afford everyone. There's a salary cap and everything like that. So they need to understand, and I think they do, is that there's an opportunity ahead of them to get into the playoffs, and then who knows what can happen. And not only is it that opportunity if you don't know what can happen, giving the guys that experience of playing in a game that means so much, and, you know, it's anything could happen on any given Sunday or Saturday because in the early part of the playoffs are Saturday games, and – you can't let that slip away because you're stubborn to the guy you took number two overall. That's, mm-hmm. that's all I'll say. And I, I think, I think the best approach, which Sal didn't do this. And we talked about this before the show is he probably should have pulled him at some point in that game. And then went back to him for the bears game. Like regardless of the outcome, even if Mike white were to win the game, like my feeling was when he threw that ball and McCourty dropped it and everyone was like startled that, that he didn't hold on to it. That's when it should have happened because mm-hmm. I felt like there was enough time in the game that if you put Mike White in, he can maybe get into a rhythm and lead this team down the field and put up some points. But at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. I have a feeling we'll know tomorrow as we're, you know, doing this live stream on Tuesday. Usually teams will announce on Wednesday who's the starting quarterback, unless it's something that's like pain tolerance, where it's like they're working through practice, seeing how their body reacts, where that's not the, the case here. It's simply, do they think this guy gives a better chance to win over this guy? And I think we'll know tomorrow. If not, you know, maybe they do drag out to Sunday. I hope they don't, but we also don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Bears, and we'll be joined by Tom in a little bit. He'll talk talk a little bit about Justin Fields and even potentially, um, I guess, Trevor Simeon. But uh, yeah, it's a lot, man. It's it's a lot <laughs> it to di- to digest, a lot of thoughts because and, yeah, you go, you go. You go, you go. Well, it's I think to like you put so much weight on, especially on the Patriots games, on divisional games, and rightfully so, it should happen. But I just. If you separate the comments, which the comments, it's hard to do, but they were extremely bad. If you look at the game, this game was un- like without a doubt his worst game as a pro. I mean, they had two yards of total offense in, in the second half. Like that is that's that's laughable. Um, but clearly this season, like the two Patriots games have been his worst games. But I also I, I'm I'm noticing that fans are kind of and especially national media that don't you know follow the Jets like you and I do and like listeners of the show or, or TOJ or Badlands do. 
I feel like we're kind of broad brushing Zach's entire season up to this point. And let's, let's not forget that they're the what five and two with him as a starter. So like, of course. we, we have to keep things in perspective. And again, I don't want to go and run through every game, but even Connor on our, on our show last week, Connor Hughes, you know, we kind of said that Pittsburgh game was bad for three and a half quarters and good for a half a quarter or whatever, three quarters and good for a quarter. Well, that's not entirely true either. Like, he played okay in Pittsburgh. He had a, a rough middle part of the game, but he played okay. And he played first well and fourth the, quarter he, was fine. He played well in the really first. Dead. Exactly. The um, Miami game, he was good. That's probably his best game thus far. Um, the Green Bay game, he wasn't asked to do much, but he did make some big throws there. I can think of the rollout to Corey Davis. Denver wasn't good, but again, he wasn't asked to do much in that Denver game. He was playing against the top three defense. It was against New England where it got really bad. And then Buffalo before the bye, like that's a good Buffalo team that he beat. So let's, he hasn't been good. Okay. He's been marginal, mediocre at best, but let's not act like this game was the end of the world and that it's the, you know, the worst performance that we've ever seen really. And that this guy is destined to be just done. I don't want to go there yet. I, I understand you being all out on him, the post game comments included. Um, I just don't think I'm ready to say that everything up until this point is just erased because of what happened on Sunday and the game that era and the post game pressure that the comments that he made. Yeah. And you're, you're not wrong what you're saying, but I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to counter a little bit here. And I know typically yeah. we see eye to eye, but I feel like it's more fun because yeah. there's some things I disagree with. And I defended him because I felt like, you know, we had to be a little bit patient, but when you can't execute a screen pass and the elementary things that are expected of an NFL quarterback, we're not asking him to have these seed throws, throwing things in the double coverage and like hitting a tight window. You need to hit screen passes. You need to get over those mental hurdles. Like the throw to that he overthrew Conklin. Like, come on, man. Mims is wide open on that play. Everyone's seen these clips on Twitter. It's like, that's the problem. And it's been the consistent stuff that he's not doing well. It's like, yes, there are moments when he's competent at best. Like, like you said, the Miami game, he was pretty solid. Uh, Buffalo game, he was pretty solid outside the fumble. But like, we need more than that. And we also need to see it more consistently. You can't be missing screen passes. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Some of the worst quarterbacks that have stood up for this team are hitting screen passes, but like they couldn't do everything else, but at least they could like move the ball. But it, it's just, that's the problem. I mean, we're not yeah. seeing the improvements in these little things. And it's like you're expecting to do the big things when he can't even do the basics. That's the issue I have. Of and, course he deserves more time. I yes. get that, but like figure out the easy stuff and then don't learn stuff, learn the hard stuff oh. later. And I, I totally agree with that. Like Sunday was bad. And those are the, the, the layups that he's missing. And let me, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit here. And you and I talked about this before the show and, you know, another thing, but I, I came out immediately of Sunday where that um, the punt return was a nail in the coffin, obviously, but it's like, I, I, I didn't even feel it because of just how the game went, but I came out of that game saying it's not even on special teams. It's clearly not on the defense. It, 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 the, the, the responsibility of this loss falls solely on the shoulders of Zach Wilson and Michael floor. Um after you watch some of the tape back, you're like, it wasn't on the floor at all. Like the plays were there. To be, the throws were there to be made. Zach didn't, he didn't either didn't make them in reference to the Conklin pass over the middle where he overthrows him uh, by five yards and McCordy almost picks it or the throws uh, were there and he just simply didn't make them. Elijah Moore on the last third and one, the last drive Denzel Mims uh, early on in the game when they got in, almost into the red zone. Right. It was all bad. Um, so I'm not saying that Zach is or isn't the guy. I guess that's ultimately is my point is I still think it's too early to tell 
without a doubt, whether he's the guy or not, I think, you know, you're all out on him. I am definitely a large step closer to saying that he's not. Um, And then when you kind of factor in everything else and you consider the state of this team, where it's at, how quickly it's been able to kind of turn things around the state of this defense, where the weapons are, where the running game is, all of that combined, it's kind of lending itself going to, you know, maybe a change is needed right now. And I'm almost getting positive about a change being needed in the offseason or at least someone coming in for competition. Who knows if a Jimmy G is out there to be had? Who knows yeah. if a Derek Carr is out there to get uh, that the guy that comes in and is without a doubt the starter coming into camp? Um, so all those things are true. Um, I just I, I can't be 100 percent either out or in on Zach Wilson right now. I still think it's a to be determined. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he deserves I, I think he deserves the rest of the season at this point, unless, you know, the coaching staff feels they got to go to white and white wins and you keep rolling with it. But like if they if they sync with him, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to say you, you're not allowed to do that. I understand that you want to see what you have and you want to have a definitive answer, which it seems like we're getting pretty close to knowing what he is. And unfortunately, it could be a detriment to this team because it's going to hold them back from what their true potential could be. But I think it's a lot easier to accept this because it's not that much time and, you know, invested into him. It's two years. Um, You're not financially strapped like someone like Russell Wilson in Denver, where you're literally stuck with that. There are options that you can actually go out and do, but like, we don't have to talk about this. I know I put my, like what I would prefer if they were to do this, but there's still seven games left. He could easily win us back and I'm not ruling it out. I mean, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. If I had to handicap it, like probably say 85, 15, that, you know, how I feel today is probably how I'm going to feel in January, but that's why you play football. That's why I play the games. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate on him unless the behavior continues specifically off the field and he's yeah. just not improving. But like, I, I, I just think that fans are allowed to feel the way they do. And mm-hmm. pretty the whole fan base is pretty much in a really bad spot right now because they understand that there's something that's here and we can't get to that point because of what's happening. And it sucks because I don't have a problem with him personally. Like, I know he handled that presser well, but like, he seems like a good kid. Like, I, I think people lose sight of the constructive criticism of like how he handled the presser and his play is like personal attacks. Like, no, of course not. Like, I, I think he, prior to like lately, he actually felt like handled pressers pretty well. I think he always would say the right things, like, especially when he meet with the media during the week. It's like, but this is the stuff that you need to be able to test yourself with. Like when, you know, things get hard, how do you react? It's like, of course, when it's, there's the games don't matter, it's just training camp and it's like positive vibes. It's easy, but like, that's what shows character. And like, you know, maybe this yeah. is who he, maybe he's just showing us who he is and we have to yeah. just like, you know, be at peace with it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, to your point, like the inconsistency is, obviously on a play to play level, but it's also on a game to game level too, because if you really think about it, if Zach Wilson plays the way he did against Buffalo, which as is as vanilla as you could expect, which yeah. 150 for a touchdown, no picks and a, and a fumble, but just hitting the throws that are there and playing within structure. If he has that game two other times against, you know, both, uh, both New England games, the jets are eight and two and they're tied for the one seed in the AFC. And that's crazy to say, but in regards to the inconsistency, like that's the problem is that they can't right now even rely on him to hit the throws that are there and go for 150 and a touchdown with no picks. So therein lies the problem, obviously, right? So 
I would argue too that um, if the Jets were to make, if Salah was to make a change at quarterback, that inconsistency in terms of not being able to hit the easy throws goes away, whether it's Mike White or Joe Flacco. I'd probably err more on the side of Mike White just because we kind of know what Joe Flacco is. Those three games were a roller coaster, and I just can't watch him fumble every time he gets hit again. However, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say with Mike White versus Flacco, it's like I think Joe Flacco, obviously, you know, he can make some of the throws, but I think his limited mobility at this stage of his career is the problem. I know Mike White's not exactly Mr. Athlete over here, but I think he has a a little more escapability, and I also think he's just going to do the offense you know, as constructed, he's not going to try to force things. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. And and I, I agree with you. So if they do make a change, I'd err more on the side of Mike white. The other thing that I would say is that you're still looking for an answer on Zach Wilson. If you make a change and bench him, that's going to tell you an awful lot about who Zach Wilson is as a person and as a quarterback as well. So that's going to go a long way towards giving you your ultimate definitive answer on whether or not he's the guy is how he responds to a benching. And if he goes into a shell and is done from there on out, then you got your answer. If he takes a look at, long look in the mirror and bounces back and says, you know what, this is my problem. I do have to fix it. I do have to be better. And he bounces back and becomes a better player, a better teammate, better quarterback. Then that's obviously going in the Jets' favor. So either way, if there is a hook at any point, whether it's before this Bears game, whether it's in the middle of it, whether it's three games down the road, um, you're going to go – it's going to contribute to – the Jets answering this, which is probably the biggest question leading into this season is, uh, you know, whether or not Zach Wilson was the guy. Yeah. And like, think about someone like Baker, like Baker was the number one overall pick. He showed a lot of promise as a rookie regressed as a sophomore. Then his third season led his team to the playoffs, a team that never won anything and was solid. He kind of was like a better version of what Zach was doing, you know, managing the game, but he was actually doing like the, the, the things that they asked him to do, hitting the, you know, the quick passes and everything. And now He's in a in a spot where he he was traded because they obviously got Deshaun Watson, and then he was given the he was given every opportunity to win the job. He wins the job, plays poorly, they fire the coach. Sam's hurt, so that was obviously a big thing. That probably why they never they didn't pull Baker sooner. He gets another opportunity because PJ Walker gets hurt. He's benched again, and yet he's handled it a lot better than anybody we've seen. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. It's uh. It's very comparable. So um looks like we're gonna be joined by our guest here. Yeah. We got Tom. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, sorry. That's that's my girlfriend's uh Zoom. Sometimes it logs into hers when she uses my laptop, but yeah, I am here. <laughs> Tom, how you doing, man? What's going on? Not much, man. We're just we're in the middle of talking about Baker and about potentially benching Zach Wilson, but uh we just want to welcome uh, Tom Cavada of, uh, I guess you were Bear Blo- Bears Blog Boys podcast, and then your contributor to also uh, the Windy City, a fan site, so SI is like a blog. It's good to have you on the show, man. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I know you guys have been going through some quarterback <laughs> controversy, and Bears fans just throughout the years know all too well about <laughs> quarterback controversies and you know, disappointment in that regard. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, before we get into to Jets Bears and kind of the outlook for Sunday, just if you could give us kind of your take from a, you know, a, a further away view as obviously you're not an avid Jets fan, but just kind of how does this look from an outsider's perspective, everything that happened from Zach Wilson's performance on Sunday, the the post-game presser, and then obviously how Salah handled it 
uh, in, in his press conference on Monday. What's kind of your take from a Bears fan's perspective there? Yeah, so I actually like really like Zach Wilson uh, during the draft. Like he was like my top rated quarterback in that class. So like I thought he was going to be really good. I definitely expected there to be a transition from BYU to I mean it's just like a completely different playing field, right? Like it's it's not even the same thing. I thought Zach Wilson was like the most physically talented of the bunch as a thrower, um, and to see him struggle in his first season, understandable. The fact that it's not getting better, definitely a little worrisome, right? Like I think all of the second year quarterbacks are kind of going through their own struggles as passers, but the fact that he's kind of looked like he's regressing is not encouraging, but at the same time to like not take any accountability, like that's the part that like is no one like, it reminds me of when Trubisky in 2018, like when the team was playing well around him, but it was not no secret that he wasn't playing well, but players like to be around Trubisky. They like Trubisky. They wanted to rally behind him. If you don't have that, there's not a whole lot of reasons to keep you as the starter. So if the Jets wanted to go a different direction, based on how Zach Wilson is handling himself and kind of just not taking accountability, that's how it seems like from an outsider's point of view. It makes sense to me. Yeah, no, that's well said. And it's funny because I've heard these parallels. I, I, uh, I like Big Cat. Uh, obviously, huge Bears fan, mm-hmm. and he's been saying he's like the Jets are the 2018 Bears. They it's are like it's clear as day that the 2018 it's Bears. Great. And Mitch was better though. Like honestly, the way Zach's playing, Mitch was much better. But like Mitch would just miss those throws. That everyone would see. There would always be like mm-hmm. there's someone wide open in the end zone. And he wouldn't see it. But like Zach can't even hit a screen pass. At least Mitch was able to do that and run around <laughs> a little bit. Um, it's funny though because I've heard that those parallels. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. A lot, but uh, it's, you know, it's good to hear from an outsider's perspective. But yeah, it's it's really like uh, the alarms have been sounded around this fan base. Um, I do want to pass it to you about your quarterback because I know he's hurt right now. We don't know who's going to be the starter, whether it's him or Simeon. But like, what's your overall impressions of Fields? Because early on this season and a lot of last year, it was pretty bad. But it seems like he's figuring some things out. And what he's doing is some, what we want to see Zach doing. Even if it's not pretty, he's showing mm-hmm. that he can do things. And, like, obviously he's been dangerous as a runner. He's on pace to break the uh, rushing record for a quarterback. But what's your overall thoughts on Fields from where he was last year, what he was earlier this year, and now where he is? Dude, I could I could talk to you about an hour about just everything that you asked me to talk about. Uh, <laughs> In short. <laughs> yeah, in short, definitely. Uh, I would definitely try to summarize. So I thought last year it was so hard to get a feel for Justin Fields because everything that he really struggled at at the college level was what Matt Nagy was asking him to do at the NFL level, which is making quick decisions and like 
running quick game. That was not Justin Fields' game. He wants to throw the ball down the field, have like full field, down the field progressions. Like that's what he wants to do as a passer. That is not what the Bears offense was last year. So he really struggled. He took a lot of sacks because he didn't know what to do with the ball. This year started off similarly, right? Like you you guys should probably know. Uh, Luke Getze comes from the Packers. They're all kind of in the same tree, right? Michael Floor, they, they're all in that Shanahan system where it's a lot of timing and rhythm and stuff like that. That is not really fields right now. So what the Bears have done a really good job is pivoting towards a more, um, I guess, simplified passing game and really have leaned on Justin Fields' legs um, and as a runner. And I, I knew Justin Fields was a good scrambler. I don't think I knew he was this good of a scrambler. I mean, he is one of the most dynamic runners in the league. And I did not think he was going to be that coming from college. Like I thought he was a good runner, but not this game changer that he's, he seemed to be. I think where the bears are kind of getting themselves into trouble though, is they're running him a little too much. And we saw that against Atlanta. So the biggest leaps in which fields has to take as a passer is the anticipation and like playing on time. He likes to hold on to the ball a little bit longer than he probably should and take some sacks because of that. But whenever it's down the field, man, he he that's where he's at his best. He 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 likes to make those difficult throws, and the Bears can't really do that given the situation around him. Yeah. No, so well has uh, obviously, I, I mean, has Justin Fields really exceeded your expectations going into this season? Because I think, really, you know, in August, uh, as we make these parallels between the Jets and the Bears, but we kind of got like the 2020 Sam Darnold vibes, where it's like, have the Bears really sound surrounded? Justin Fields was enough to even get a read on him and, and, you know, with the new staff coming in and, and stuff like that, like this isn't their guy, are they just going to punt on the season and see what they do after? But knowing that they really didn't put much around him and, and now with kind of how these last, what, four or five games have gone, I mean, has he really just exceeded what you expected uh, from him out of this year? Um, so I thought he would be okay. Like I was still really high on fields as a prospect. So like, I thought he'd be okay if they just allowed him to be him, which they did not at the beginning of the season on top of his situation being so terrible. And I think that when they're trying to open things up and do more things to work towards his strength, it's so hard to to get a feel. Like you said, uh, I've used that comparison with the jets and Sam Darnold. Like that is like one of the worst places you can be because you're not really finding out anything about your quarterback. You're asking yourself, well, does he suck or is it his situation? Therefore, like no progress between a decision at the most important position can be made. So yes, I think he has exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways, especially what he's been able to do as a runner and like how he's like actually a design runner. It's not just scrambles. Like they're actually using him in the, in the run game, which I think has made the bears run game better. Um, as a passer, though, there's definitely some things that he needs to clean up. Again, it's really hard to get him to do that when he doesn't trust a lot of what's around him, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you hit on something that, you know, Jeff fans were thinking about coming into this season because the parallels of, like, what Zach Wilson walked into in year two and what Sam Darnold walked into year three, because and really year two as well, is that we all were under the assumption, you know, Joe Douglas, assuming that these pieces fell into place, which they have basically like with the exception of race hall going down, which was really sad for us to see. Cause he looked like he could be, you know, one of the five best running backs in the league and Elijah Vera Tucker, who probably was the best player on the team, but because he's a guard who was playing three different positions, you're probably not knowing him because there's no stats and highlights of him. Right. But he was, he was incredible. We were all like, Zach is either it or he's not after this season because the Jets have done everything they can with the resources that they had going into the offseason 
to make sure that the supporting cast around him is good enough to be a winning team. Mm-hmm. As we've seen, they have argued probably a top five defense. Some say number one defense, depending on who you talk to. I mean, they have the best secondary in football. I think that's pretty undisputable at this point in a top three defensive line. Um, he has weapons. I know there's obviously been stuff that's going on with Elijah Moore, but it's like, that's why the fans are so down on him right now because he can't blame it on his surroundings. Mm-hmm. The coaching's also been very good. Michael LaFleur is calling the right place. He's just not hitting it where it's like, you could be like, all right, well, Fields' is guys other than Mooney aren't getting open. So like, how can we really judge what he is? And he really is like two guys. He's, well, I mean, I guess Claypool's still getting acclimated, but he has Cole Komet, Mooney, and Claypool. And then he has Montgomery and Khalil Herbert just got, went down, I think, for the season. So he has pieces, but it's not what the Jets have. Like if you give Fields what the Jets have, it's like a Ferrari compared to what he has. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's why the fan base is so down on him because he's not taking advantage of what's around him. And I will say that what you were talking about with Fields is they're also kind of not coaching the way Zach is. Zach is like a home run hitter. He yeah. tries to play like Mahomes. And this offense is more like what Jimmy G does well because it's all like short passes, getting the ball out quickly. And Zach doesn't want to do that. And I understand you should coach to what your the strengths of your players, but like the system is working. Like when mm. everything's in stride, it works. And that's what's frustrating because he does fit it well with how he can get the ball up fast. So that's really what the predicament has been for us because it's like, we know that the talent is there around him. It's like, he's not taking advantage of it. So we can't really blame, you know, coaching stinks, roster stinks. Both those things are pretty good. So it's, it's tough for us right now. (laughs) Dude, I think you guys have one of the best environments for a quarterback in the NFL. Like if you insert, let's say a Jimmy Garoppolo, like you guys are contending (laughs) and you, you just have, so, like, I loved so many of the moves that Joe Douglas has made. I love Garrett Wilson. I loved Elijah Moore. Uh, Corey Davis is like, if he's your number three, you're fine. Like, that, I think you're doing better than a lot of other teams, the Bears specifically. Um, <laughs> you would say, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that Zach Wilson point is a really good point. Like, again, he is more in the name of fields in terms of how they want to play. They want to push the ball down the field. And I think both systems kind of clash at first where there's a lot of timing and rhythm and getting the ball out quickly. Um, I think that's one thing that I can credit Luke Etsy though. He's trying to open things up and run more of the stuff that fields likes to do. The offensive line cannot hold up long enough for the bears to call the plays that fields runs the best as a passer. So, I mean, that's why you saw a lot of the, the sacks he took this week. Um, I would say a lot of the sacks that fields takes are usually on him, but I think of recent weeks, it's, it's been more of a, a detriment to the offensive line and just the shape that it's in. It's, it's not good. Yeah. Um, I, I want to move to the coach because he is a rookie coach. So that's mm. obviously something that's very important for bears fans to see. Like, you know, we got this guy who's never been a head coach before in Eberflus. Do you like what he's done? I think I think he's actually doing a good job as a head coach, but considering the fact his defense is like a specialty and their defense yeah. is not good, it's like that's a little bit alarming. But I think the fact that they started out two and one was pretty impressive mm-hmm. in my eyes. You know, meeting mm-hmm. in the San Francisco, I know it was like a rainstorm, but like what are your overall thoughts on him? Like, what do you think? Do you like him? Do you feel confident with him down the road? I mean, obviously there's a long-term vision with him and Brian Poles, but like what are your overall thoughts? So Eberflus got a lot of comparisons because they came from a similar background uh, to Lovey Smith, which is mm-hmm. like Lovey Smith is like the most, and this is not a disrespect to Lovey Smith, is like the most underachieving yet beloved 
head coach in Bears history because he's been like the second most successful head coach in Chicago history, which is not saying a lot. But since <laughs> people like relish Lovey Smith, um, they were really fired up about Matt Eberflus and kind of bringing in a different style, a way different style than Matt Nagy. It's a lot more, um, I would say, strict structure where like they have this hits principle, which measures everyone's intensity and effort like they players are really bought in but it's a completely different style Mm -hmm. from Matt Nagy so I actually like that a lot I think they're a lot more disciplined um it hasn't shown up in recent weeks but in the beginning of the year they were one of the least penalized teams in the NFL that's kind of dipped off but um and I also like uh kind of how he he adjusts right I I hate to keep comparing this to Matt Nagy but Matt Nagy would never make adjustments he would bang (laughs) his head up a brick wall and would never change what he was doing. He was like, this is my offense. You guys are going to run it. This entire coaching staff has made adjustments. They're trying to play towards their player strengths. The defense, yes, has struggled a lot, which is a little worrisome, but he doesn't call defensive plays. He lets his coordinators coach both sides of the ball. He is the head coach. Like he made that very clear though. The coordinators are fully in charge, not fully in charge, but they are like game planning, calling plays, they run everything by him, but at the end of the day, like he has the final say, but they're there. Uh, Alan Williams and Luke Getzey, those are their sides of the ball. Um, yeah, we could talk a little bit about the defense, but after the trades that they have made, it is not an NFL defense. I'll just say that. All right. So, Zach, if you're starting this week, you better be able to light them up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. If he was ever going to have a bounce back game, I'm telling you, if he doesn't play well against the Bears, like, I, I don't really know what to do. And, this, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible defense. And that's why, I mean, he should, if he gets the start, he'll have a quick yeah. if he can't move the ball. But, you know, it's funny because this whole time we're really drawing parallels. And it's, it's you know, uh, what you just said really was, you know, uh, Matt Nagy being kind of bullheaded and, you know, Eberflus comes in defensive minded coach, but the defense is really struggling. Obviously we draw similarities there to Sala. I mean, Adam Gase, you listen, I wasn't, I'm not a Bears fan, but I don't think Matt Nagy was on Adam Gase level bad. He was not. He was not. Adam Gase was, uh, you know, to a fault would continue to just try to fit a square peg in a round hole, which is exactly what you don't want um, out of your coach, especially an offensive minded one. In comes Robert Sala. Um, I think exactly what you're talking about with Eberflus, right, is he's going to – he's a defensive-minded guy, but he's going to give his guys, uh, you know, the ability to be in charge. He's not going to be a, def- a defensive coach. He's going to be the head coach, a leader of men. Mm-hmm. It takes a little while for the defense to figure things out. I mean, we had 32nd-ranked defense last year, and now look at where this unit is. So, obviously, the similarities are pretty uncanny here. And for you, uh, Tom, there's light at the end of the tunnel to see where this could go. Yeah. So, um, hopefully for us, still it continues on that right trajectory, and we're talking about, uh, you know, either why card or uh, playoff football come uh, come January but as we fast forward to this game on Sunday as a Bears fan when you're looking at the Jets what are the things that really scare you the most uh, about this team about the Bears playing the Jets and what are the things that you think the Bears could really capitalize on dude the defensive line against the Bears offensive line is definitely the matchup that is scaring me the most I mean uh, that's why I really doubt they throw fields back into this Uh, this is a Vaunted Jets defense that they, if they want to protect him from himself, they wouldn't toss him out here. So that definitely, I think, is the biggest mismatch. Um, and then obviously, you know, Sauce Gardner has been locking down every team's number one. And really, when Mooney's the only guy who can create on his own, I mean, 
we're still waiting on Claypool, but I don't know if his usage really changes until the bye week, until after the bye week. It seems like he's having a hard time acclimating himself to the offense. Um, if Sauce Gardner is going to follow Mooney around or however they, the Jets do it, I'm not totally familiar. Uh, that also is worrisome. I think where the Bears give every team trouble is just their run game. If Fields is healthy, um, he's just they're just really hard to game plan for in that regard. But I will say with Khalil Herbert getting hurt, that's kind of been their uh, home run threat at running back. And the run game definitely looked a lot different last week with uh, just leaning solely on David Montgomery. If I if I had to guess what the Jets would do, I think they would use a similar attack that they did against uh, Baltimore in week one when they played against Lamar. Because Lamar is probably the only player that's as dynamic as Justin Fields as a runner. I mean, like I know Josh Allen's a great runner, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's as elusive as those two. He's he's more power. I feel like he's like power eye kind of thing. Yeah. So I feel like if the Jets could execute that defensive game plan, then I don't think Fields is as established as a passer as Lamar was. I think that they could do a good job of containing him. And I think our corners are so much more uh, seasoned in the system than they were that that game. So I think it's going to be tough for him if they keep him in the pocket. I think they can win. Um, But obviously the big thing for us is can we move the ball on offense? And like you said, (laughs) you think it should be pretty easy for us to do so. Um, What would you say – besides I guess the run game like what would you say is their biggest strength defensively is like the safeties like with Eddie Jackson uh the secondary as a whole uh Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson are obviously the two stalwarts that have kind of been there uh I'm really high on Jalen Johnson I know he's kind of had his ups and downs and like if you look at his production and as a whole he's kind of you know middle of the pack but I think a lot of that is just he's played hurt a lot of the times and um, he's tasked with some really difficult roles at least he was last year Um, and then Eddie Jackson I've always just thought he Bears fans don't like him because he misses tackles but he's one of the better cover safeties in the NFL Uh, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker are kind of trying to still find their way Jaquan Brisker is definitely a lot more far ahead than Kyler Gordon Kyler Gordon's really struggled this year um he's plays on the outside and in the slot so it's just it's hit him really fast right like he, he's still trying to acclimate himself to the NFL level especially in coverage I would say the secondary is pretty decent but their defensive line that is where they do not have a, a, like their defensive front they don't have NFL starting caliber players I like they they're one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They don't generate any pressure on their own. They have to blitz to generate pressure. The Bears have been blitzing so much more since they traded Robert Quinn, um, which I didn't even mind that trade. I thought it was the right move, but it's just where they're at. Like, it's just the reality of the situation. They cannot get pressure um, unless they blitz. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike LaFleur's offense is set up really well to beat blitzing. Like, it's quick passing. They have, like, hot routes built into that. So I think – the Jets also have an advantage there. Yeah, I mean, I mean if, it, it oh, yeah, is, yeah. but Zach Wilson is like the worst quarterback in the league when faced with pressure. So that's yeah. kind of a, a conundrum that the Jets offense will find mm-hmm. itself in. But I could I could see this as a game where it's very very heavy dose of of the three headed backfield of Robinson Carter and then Ty Johnson. Mm-hmm. And when you know they play against weaker run defenses, they're able to cook them up the middle. But obviously, you need some balance, and that's why they struggled against New England this past week. All right, so. Tom, we're going to ask you to pick, give your game pick. That's how we always, you know, conclude our show. So what do you think happens on Sunday? You go and then we'll go. I, I cannot see Justin Fields playing in this one. Uh, there's really no point to play him. The Bears aren't playing for much at, at this point. And if you're trying to figure out 
more about him as a passer that I guess that makes a little bit of sense. It's still a risky proposition to play him against this Jets defense. So even if he plays, I doubt they run him a lot. So I think the Jets are going to win regardless. Um, I think it's going to be a Trevor Simeon game. And I think that it's going to be a long day for the bears. Let's just say that. <laughs> I you, like got a, you got a score prediction? Yeah, we got a new score prediction. Uh, I'll say 31 to 10. Oh, wow. Oh, oh. wow. All yeah. right. All right. Yeah, All right. Uh, Non-Jets fan hasn't lived this last week with us, but no, I like it. Um, I honestly, I think obviously so much uh, comes down to injuries, whether or not Justin Fields plays uh, on the bear side is obviously the the biggest factor. I think if the Jets get um, Corey Davis back, if Nate Herbig, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, which was a huge factor in the Jets run game on Sunday was him not playing. Uh, if Herbig is healthy uh, and plays, I think that's obviously a huge boost to a Jets run game that should be able to capitalize um, on a weak Bears defense. But ultimately, whether it's Zach Wilson or, or Mike White or Joe Flacco, I think it's going to be a heavy dose of the run game. I think the Jets defense, uh, regardless of who's back there, whether it's Fields uh, or Simeon, um, I think they'll still be able to to get after the quarterback and contain them. Uh, I don't see the Jets putting up 31, uh, but I will say that the Jets come out on top and uh, and rebound nicely in a 20 to 10 win for them. All right. All right. Um, it's, this is kind of hard to figure right now because we – we don't know who's playing quarterback for either team right now this week. So that's, crazy. that's, that's, crazy that's, that's the hardest part for me. Yeah. It's like, I could give scenarios, but like, I'm going to just going to go off gut at this point. I mean, I do think the jets are going to win. I think this is a huge bounce back spot for them after having such a rough loss. I mean, they've actually responded well when they've lost games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, they're going to run the ball a lot. I think the defense is going to create turnovers regardless of who's playing quarterback because even if it is Fields, he's been prone to throwing that, that little bonehead interception. I know he's had a couple of them in the coming weeks. Um, and the Jets have been good at forcing turnovers. And if they're able to get the pass rush, I mean, they had six sacks of Mac Jones. And I think the Patriots have a better line than the Bears. I think that whoever's playing quarterback might lose the ball a little bit. I think it's going to be 24 to 9. So I'm not going to go 10 because you both did that. I think it'll be three field goals for the Bears, three touchdowns for the Jets, and a field goal. And I think one of those touchdowns will actually be a defensive touchdown. So Bounce back game for the Jets. I don't know who's playing quarterback, so I don't want to say anything about Zach bouncing back, Mike White White lighting up the world, Joe Flacco, you know, just being Joe cool. But Mm -hmm. I just think that the Jets are going to play much better. I think that this that game is fresh in their minds, similar to how they responded last time they played New England. They beat one of the best teams in the NFL in Buffalo, and I think they take care of business and they get right back on track. Yeah, and uh, we'll obviously talk about this more. Uh, probably in my podcast when I'm asking you guys uh, what what the deal is with the quarterback situation. But is there any indication on like who's going to be the starter? Like, if you guys had to predict, who do you think it's going to be? Well, I'll give my take, and then Stephen can do his. So basically, the way Solid framed it was: we're evaluating everything versus saying Zach's our guy or benching him. So what I think is, and we talked about this earlier in the show, is that a decision is going to be made tomorrow. So as we're doing the live stream, it's Tuesday night. Usually we, we post a show on Wednesday morning. Mm. I think we'll know by Wednesday afternoon who's starting. If I had to guess, I'm going to say Zach gets the nod, but quick hook. But anything's possible, Stephen, I'll pass it to you on that. Yeah, I think there's um, there's obviously a lot of things at play. I think the biggest factor in this uh, was really Zach's post-game presser. Um, and Salah coming out and doing the right thing by putting the accountability on Zach Wilson and saying, like, listen, this team is – is good and it's uh, it's ready to win now. And him kind of putting the onus on Zach to say, "Listen, no one's above this. No one's above this team, and and everyone's going to be held accountable." I think that was the biggest thing. 
The other thing at play is, uh, you know, I don't know if you if you know this from the Bears perspective, from a Bears fan perspective, but uh, there was a, a time probably three or four games ago where Mike White was elevated to number two and, and Flacco to number three, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you think like now with this news, maybe there is something there. Maybe that happened for a reason. Who knows? I mean, Salah kind of said like, listen, we just want to get him more looks and those reps in practice matter. So there's a lot of things going on there. Um, so I could definitely see a scenario where Mike White actually gets the star. I think there's a lot of argument for that ultimately being a good thing for Zach Wilson in the long term, kind of seeing how he responds to it. Steven and I discussed that before you jump on, jumped on. However, I tend to agree with Steven. I think against the Bears defense, I think this is a good, uh, a good way, uh, a good time for Zach Wilson to have a bounce back game. But ultimately, if he comes out and is flat and can't hit those layups and start slow against a, you know, a pretty weak Bears defense, then I think he's going to have a quick hook and we're going to see Mike White. From your perspective, man, who scares you more right now? Like, would you rather see Zach? Maybe you get that guy, that New England guy that throws three picks up in the air and that, you know, yeah. or would you rather see maybe more of the safe bet where you, you're not uh, scared of the wow play? I mean, ideally, just like as a fan perspective, I'd want to see Justin Fields versus Zach Wilson because those yeah. two will always, they're going to be linked throughout their entire careers. Uh, I've wanted to see Justin Fields versus Mac Jones versus Trey Lance, which we did get Justin Fields versus Trey Lance. But Mac Jones got pulled really early yeah. in that Patriots game. So like, I always want to see those quarterbacks go up against each other. I think who scares me the most is probably Joe Flacco, just because I think he <laughs> probably really? has, has grasped the offense the most. Uh, he's a veteran. You kind of know what he is, and you know what he isn't. Um, Zach Wilson, I don't know, man. He just has not played inspiring football. Uh, of I, I keep close tabs on him because I obviously want him to su- succeed. He was my number one quarterback, right? Like I want to be a draft guy. It's not a good look. If yeah. He's not playing well. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know. I probably Joe Flacco. So let me ask you, and we can close with this, but in your quarterback ranks for that 21 draft, where did you kind of have everybody? Where did you have fields in, in relation to the other guys? So I had like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. I do it more in tiers. I had Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, like number one overall prospects, take them, don't think about it. Um, Those caliber players, which I thought was crazy that there was three of those in one draft class. And then I had Trey Lance, or Trey Lance is like a mid to late first rounder. And then Mac Jones kind of in that same tier for different reasons. So yeah, I, I thought those three were like clearing away the best prospects and it's kind of crazy how none of them have really lived up to it. I mean, it's not that crazy, but I don't know. It's I did not expect it to be this slow for all of them. I know Justin Fields has probably had the brightest moments, but again, there's still questions about uh, him developing as a passer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. Um, so yeah, we appreciate you, Tom, for coming on the show. Um, like I said, you know, Tom's a contributor for both, uh, I guess it's the Windy City fan sided, and he's also the co-host of a Bears Blog Voice podcast, which is such a tongue twister. I feel like I can't say it. Um, you can follow- <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but uh, you can also follow him on Twitter uh, at Tommy K underscore NFL draft. Um, and make sure if you haven't subscribed to our show, whether to subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash turn the Jets TV, um, turn the Jets live on Apple or Spotify. Um, also make sure to subscribe to our, our sister feed, turn the jets with, you know, will show and draft season. So if you want your NFL draft fix, it's coming back this week. I know we, they tweeted out, you know, the boys will be back giving your jets who you need to have in your mind for next year. So that'll be some fun stuff. And, uh, like I said, every week, you know, 
like I always say, make sure you check out the Badlands Patreon, best premium Jets subscription content on the internet. It's always great stuff. Uh, I had my open letter, Zach Wilson, that was out there. Always fun podcast from, you know, Joe and Connor and also the film room stuff. So we appreciate everybody tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.